The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hello, happy Saturday. Welcome back into the Arrowhead Pride Best of the Week podcast. I'm host and audio producer of the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network, Steven Serta. The Kansas City Chiefs took on the Denver Broncos on Thursday night football, but we've still got plenty to get you caught up on from the Chiefs' Thursday night matchup. We'll start things off with the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show discussing their Week 5 marinated takeaways. After that, it's the Out of Structure podcast taking your questions this week in the Chiefs' mailbag. After that, it's a great British Chiefs show breaking down this matchup with the Denver Broncos on Thursday night. Then we'll take a quick timeout. When we get back, we'll catch up with Chiefs Coast to Coast, continuing the game preview. Then we'll catch up with Show and BK, discussing what the Chiefs needed to do when they had the ball on Thursday night. After that, finally, we'll wrap things up with myself and Rocky Magana recapping the Chiefs game against the Denver Broncos on Thursday night. That's all coming up on today's Arrowhead Pride Best of the Week. Well, I'm going to let this marinate. You know, let that one marinate, and then we can circle back. Adapt. React. Readapt. Takes time. It takes years. <laughs> That's the takeaway. Back here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show. Quick week here. The Denver Broncos coming to Arrowhead Stadium on Thursday night. But before we get deeper into that game we're going to go back to sunday and talk about the marinated takeaways from this 27 to 20 victory in minnesota john so what did you uh, initially take away from this game well i have to say that uh i originally was kind of where rocky is on this thing is that it's starting to look really bad for the wide receivers but uh over the course of the of the morning uh mm-hmm. i've discovered a couple of things i didn't know one of which is that the wide receivers had um, more yards in yesterday's game than they'd had in all but one other game this season. Yeah, uh, that's that's hard to look up. You have to, you know, go back game by I also, game and add up the positions. But I'll let, I'll, I'll let you continue, John. But I, I I also have like been thinking this too. Like, is the problem the wide receiver position, or is the problem that that I think fans are complaining about that there's not one particular wide receiver? Because right. it feel, feels more the latter, and so uh, right. you can continue. Good. I I agree with that, and uh, and we've published an article that makes that point. Um, I believe I was it Nate or Caleb who wrote the piece about um, that. I think it was Caleb, but I'll, I probably got it wrong. But it was a piece about 
uh, how the percentages worked out. And they're actually spreading the ball around more uh, than they usually do, where the guys who are, you know, fifth and sixth on the list are getting more snaps and targets than they have in years past. So I think that's part of it is that that people just feel like we should have this big time receiver who's the number one guy that gets all mm-hmm. these targets. Mm-hmm. And you know what? Uh, we should never even have expected that this year. That, yeah. You know, they didn't get a guy to replace Juju Smith-Schuster. You know, they didn't get a guy to replace McCole Hardman. Uh, the whole wide receiver room is made up of guys who are not going to be a player like that. That They've said all along that uh, wide receiver by committee was what they wanted to do. And if you compare the yardage that they've gained over the course of four games, it's not way out of whack. I mean, it's different. Right. Yeah, it's not, but it's not way out of whack. And last year, let's not forget that last year, even when Hardman and Smith Schuster were here, the Chiefs didn't have nearly as many wide receiver yards as they'd had when Tyreek Hill was here. And they made up for it right. by getting more yards from Kelsey and also from Jarek McKinnon. Jarek McKinnon was a big part of the Chiefs passing game in 2022 he hasn't been that a big part yet but most of it was in the end of the season so we'll see i think that the chiefs have the chiefs knows there's different ways to skin a cat and i think that's what we're seeing they're also leaning more into the running game which is going to take away from yardage i just pulled this up quickly and this this is amazing to me too in the nfl just as far as passing yardage receiving yardage and this includes tight ends so keep that in mind but the chiefs are seventh in the nfl and mm-hmm. the Dolphins are at 1681, <laughs> and the Dolphins have looked like one of the most explosive teams of all time. The Chiefs are at 1318. That is not that far behind. I know it's like two yeah. to 300 yards, but if you've watched the Dolphins game this year, that's almost to be expected. I, yeah, I, I don't know. I I keep finding myself on X, and I, I find myself asking myself, <laughs> am, I, am I crazy for thinking this is not a big deal, especially since the Chiefs are in first place? And I feel crazy, and maybe I am, and, and maybe they end up losing a game because they don't have wide receiver production. But isn't isn't the only thing that matters production? Like, wh- well, who cares if, if it's from more of Travis Kelsey or you're relying on mm-hmm. Isaiah Pacheco? Right. Or, hell, you're relying on the defense to maybe keep it to 20 points this year because the Chiefs aren't always going to get to 30 like they did in the past when they had a Tyree kill. I, I don't know that. I agree with you, and I don't mean to be ranty. You're, everyone is entitled to their opinion, but I, I have been like wondering if I'm the crazy one because I don't, I don't see the, the, the or the complaints as much of an issue. You know, so long as they continue to put um, wins together. Speaking of things that annoyed me, John, uh, my first Mariner takeaway <laughs> uh, is this referee stuff for real. Like I'm looking around the the league, and speaking of Twitter, there's, the only, there's only one thing annoying me more than Chiefs Twitter right now, and that is Vikings Twitter. What are they talking about with these penalties? I understand maybe there were some questionable calls in this game, but you look no further than the stats. The Chiefs were called for 10 penalties for 86 mm-hmm. yards. Yeah. The Vikings were call- called for six less penalties. Yeah. What are we talking about when it comes to th- this being fixed for the NF- the, the, the Chiefs in the NFL? Uh, did anyone pay attention to what they were doing to, for, to Juwan Taylor for three weeks to begin the year? of national scrutiny that was over adjusted and the chiefs had to like say something because it was so ridiculous uh, at a certain point. And now he's starting to settle back in. And I just, 
How could the Chiefs be called for six more penalties? I understand the time of games that, were, that, that they were called in. I understand LeJarrius Sneed took his hat off, but like, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm at a loss. Um, uh, you know, you talk about the, the tanking thing that we just had a discussion on. Fixing it for the Chiefs? I feel like if anything, you'd want other teams to be having more opportunity. Like if, say, you were going to do this master fixing thing, wouldn't you want the parity to be there? Isn't that, that what the NFL is always right. going for? Mm-hmm. for parity? Right. It would go the other way. I, I don't right. know. Yeah. And, it doesn't make any sense, does it? <laughs> and I, I just, I guess, I guess I just tried to put myself back into like the pre Mahomes days where when you'd play the New England Patriots and a, and a penalty came at, when you just had the game in your grasp. It was hard, I think, not to feel like, man, is Kansas City getting screwed here? And right. Like, now you're that team. And if there are going to be back-to-back weeks with big calls, big spots that help you out in significant areas of the game, maybe it is natural to feel that way. I'm just, I'm at a loss when it comes to that stuff, John. Well, what I've always noticed about these kinds of arguments is that um, they always find a way to turn it back the other direction when it when it suits their interests to do so. Um, and so I've, I've kind of tended to just ignore it. It, to me, it just has become noise, all all the complaining about the officiating. Look, the officiating could be better. Everyone is going to agree about that, that there are times that the officials make bad calls. That's just a fact. And it's always going to be a fact and they could do some things to make it better, but they haven't chosen to do so yet. And even when they do, it's never going to be perfect. So we just have to put up with the fact that, you know, the officials are going to make mistakes, just like the damn players make mistakes sometimes. You know, it's a mistake if you overthrow a receiver. But we don't say, well, we should get rid of that that quarterback and, you know, make it so he never overthrows the receiver. Well, you know what? That's not going to happen. He's going to make mistakes sometimes, and so do the officials. That's just the way it is. It's, I think... uh... where we get in trouble is thinking that there's something behind it. I think, I think that that Jason Kelsey had a good point with the officials too. Everyone sees these super slow-mo calls, but they have to be made in real time. Yeah. So it's, I don't know. I just, I think it's more the people sick of the chiefs winning than any kind of secret referee (laughs) conspiracy. And I, you know, I'm sure that, that it's been tough in Minnesota having lost so many one-score games this year when sure, you were winning on the yeah. last year. And so exasperated. Uh, the Taylor Swift commercials probably don't help uh, in that regard, but <laughs> it is what it is. All right, John, what's your next variant to take away? Um, well, I thought it was interesting. This is a little tiny thing, but the Chiefs beat the spread yesterday. Cover. <laughs> I mean, I don't yeah. care about this personally, you right. know, and and the, the spread actually decreased over the course of the week, but it started at five and a half the points and the Chiefs beat it. Yeah. I mean, I just looked it up before we started because I didn't know. I guess the Chiefs are three and two against the spread this year, which I which surprised me. I would have said it was, you know, right one and four or something. But um, I was, you know, the Chiefs beat the spread. And that seems yeah. to be a thing that matters to some people, not to me. Well, especially but, after gambling know. illegal in Kansas, you've had a lot more people wagering on, on Kansas yeah. City. Yeah. Uh, I, we learned last week. Uh, Poor, poor radio host asked the question. I won't name names here, but Patrick Mahomes has not won any spread questions uh, ever. It, it sounded like to me. <laughs> uh, good for the Chiefs for covering it, though. And you know, from a greater standpoint, if you're not a better, that just means that they're 
outplaying what is projected by people who, who make a lot of money uh, doing this. So I right. That's They're a, exceeding expectations. And that's, that's been a, a problem this season is that he, they, right. the chiefs have not met the expectations that fans have had for them. So that's one thing that this beating the spread tells you is at least they met some kind of expectation. Yeah. I hope the people that really are mad about these receivers haven't shut the podcast off. Cause I do have some negativity to express <laughs> in the receiver. Room. And I know I'm probably eating into one of your points, maybe later and talking about snap counts, John, but I'm ready to see Rasheed Rice get the snap counts that Sky Moore is getting. I, I, I think to, at a certain point you got to, and, and you know, it's not something necessarily negative about Sky, but you got to go to the receiver who is actively, you can clearly see gaining the trust of his quarterback, um, gaining enough separation for the quarterback to throw him the football. And I know that Andy Reid and, and this staff tends to lean into veterans, especially toward the the beginning of the year. <laughs> Nate Taylor had a funny tweet yesterday. After the first quarter, he goes, we're a quarter of the way through the NFL season because now it has to go like in the middle of these games where because of the 17-game <laughs> schedule. But through a quarter of the way, you, you start to know, okay, who can we actually rely on? And, you know, you, you want to argue to me that maybe receiver production would be up if Rasheed Rice started to get more playing time. I'm not disagreeing about that. I, I think it's time to to kind of give him what would be a full load. I know that these guys are rotating a lot. And so I'm looking at the, the raw numbers here. Seems like Sky's beginning in, in the 55 to 70 percent range all year where you have Rice kind of going in that 30 to 50. So I would I would like to see that swap. I know that that who plays what position, what the Chiefs like to do as far as what the receiver brings to the table plays a little bit into the into it. But just like sometimes when I'm like, man, I want to see Isaiah Pacheco carrying the football more. I'd like to see Rasheed Rice more so on the field, John. Well, and again, I think that there may be games where the Chiefs intend to do exactly that, and then they don't because they've put together these packages based on what happens, uh, what the defense does in response to the first scripted plays, the fifteen, the famous 15 plays at the beginning of the game. And then they run certain packages more than they plan to because of what happens when they run the scripted plays. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff that goes on that we have no idea about. And it may be that that's exactly what they intend is to get Rasheed Rice more snaps. And then it just doesn't play out that way. I've got the chart right in front of me here. Uh, in week one, Rice had 32%. In week two, he had 17%. And then just above or right about 50% for Chicago and the Jets both. And then down to 30% uh, in Sunday's game. So I could see why that would be frustrating for people to have this guy who is one of the more productive receivers, um, you know, getting half the percentage of snaps that Marquez Valdez Scantling is getting, right. for example. And yeah. so I, I get why people want that. I understand your point, you know, at a but, certain point, you got to lean into, I agree that you got to lean into the production. You know, I, I think I'm more so at, at a point I've expressed it, that I, I don't see the big problem while you're winning. And I, I think, you know, you're, you're still like figuring out this year's identity, which is not going to look like last year. However, when Rasheed Rice is playing like he is, and you're, you're seeing it points in games and I'm going to be careful here. And, and, and I, I understand the direction I'm going in, but you're seeing it at points in games where I think Rasheed Rice is almost to the point of like earning that like Kelsey level trust. They're going to him. You know, they're, you know, Mahomes, mm -hmm. Mahomes starts to look for him in particular. It's not to the level of Kelsey. So I, I know that's a little bit exaggerated. However, when do we say that about Sky Moore? We haven't. When do we ever say that about Marquez Valdez Scantling? We don't. 
So I understand the money they're making. I understand the round they, they were picked in. I understand the veteran experience. But at, at a certain point, I do agree with you got to lean into the receivers that are having the, the most production. Uh, and I'd, I'd love to see that uh, in Kansas City. Well, you wouldn't be bothered by it nearly as much if he was getting 50% of the snaps. The right. trouble is that he's been 30% or below in three right. of the five games. That's the problem. You know, if we're truly and doing this wide receiver you know, by committee, he ought to be up around 50%. You know, when you look for windows where the, the Chiefs do make switches like that, it's when they get extra time off. And so maybe this mini buy will provide a little little look at the cell scouting mm-hmm. and, and maybe you yeah. see where she writes more uh, after this. That's entirely possible. Yeah, that's entirely possible. We could see that kind of a shift after the game against Denver. Yes. All right. What else, John? Um, The fake punt. Oh, my God. The fake punt. Yeah. Yeah. People, you know, I'm. I get really tired of people being, you know, we spent this whole show complaining about fan takes, haven't we? (laughs) I get so tired about I get so tired of people complaining about Dave Tobe, and I'm not sure he really deserves it on this fake punt from Sunday's game. Mike Dana was held on that play because he was about to bust it wide open because he was about to destroy it. And you know, and you want to talk was, about the, penalties? There's a penalty that should have been called. <laughs> the defense was on the field. It's right. not like he, he was caught off guard at, at right. a certain point. Yeah. When has it become the player's fault? Right. Like, when does it become the head coach's fault? It's not Dave's Dave Tobe's fault right. that the defense is on the field. If the defense is on the field, it's because Andy Reid said, let's leave the defense out there. So how is that Dave Tobe's fault? Um, but you don't think if the if the pass offense is going to look this sluggish that, you know, hey, maybe there is something too. you know, just just you know, eating the clock, you know, you know, avoiding incomplete passes, you know, and and, and really just grinding it out like. Could could the Chiefs benefit from from turning into one of those teams just like situa- situationally? I've always thought so, but like they may need to like actually do it this year instead of just like you know it being kind of a luxury. Yeah, you know, this week they almost pulled off a perfect four minute drill. They came up just short on it. Four minute drill. You know, you have the ball with four minutes to go. You got to kill the clock. You think about last week though against the Jets. Yeah, there were a lot of penalties on that last drive but they held the ball for eight minutes to end the game. It wasn't right. maybe not quite eight minutes. They held the ball for a long time, like 16 plays to end the game. So yeah. there's definitely something to that in some situations. It is definitely puts pressure on people. The thing I like most about what they're doing with the run game is there's been these play action passes have not worked for them for like two seasons because no one's actually thought they were going to run the ball. They haven't worked for them for a while. Eventually, at some point, they're going to bust them back open because teams are eventually going to get tired of being gashed in the mouth by Pacheco, and they're going to have to come up with something. So I think we're just kind of buying time till that day comes, which hopefully will be pretty soon. No, it's a good point because, you know, NFL defensive coaches are not, you know, are not just going to bank on what your reputation is. They're saying they want to bank on what they're seeing this season. And if you're watching the Chiefs' offense this year, you may want to heat up Mahomes. You may want to, you know, test him and 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 you know play one high coverages and kind of you know crowd the line of scrimmage and not let that run game go in and get into third and tens. I don't think you know I don't know the stats on their third and ten efficiency. Although I will say they are the number one team in third down this year. I saw that uh, 50, almost fifty two percent conversion on third down overall. So maybe this isn't the right way to say this, but just in terms of, 
you know, defensive coaches are going to get risky with how they defend the Chiefs offense and, and do or die games. And so I, I'm interested to see, yeah, who's going to really, you know, the Vikings were maybe going to be one of those teams that test him with a, a lot of blitzes. But, you know, they did a really good job of, of, of blitzing, but maybe not necessarily sending more than four rushers, you know, doing a lot of zone blitzes, a lot of, you know, fire zone you know, even three man rushes where they had a, you know, a DN drop out into a short flat, uh, you know, a short zone coverage, you know, I, it, it did trip them up a little bit at times and, and, but they prevailed and uh, shout out the chiefs for doing that. But yeah, I do think, I, I, I do think this offense may, you know, while the receivers, and we've been talking about this, but you know, it is real that this, this chief's offense does need to lean on the run game while the receivers kind of, you know, get through their uh, their development, and we'll see if they can do it quicker than than uh, slower. We'll see. Uh, Thomas Ramirez asked an earlier question. He asked another one here. What was more impressive, the secondary locking down Justin Jefferson and the receivers, or the offensive line playing a full game clean and penalty free? Which one do you want to to uh, give a, a game ball to? If you had to pick between one or the other, I'll go with the. Uh... With the secondary this week, I thought they were good. You know, uh, Jefferson dropped some passes too there, but we, you know, it's hard to take away too much from them. And, you know, with that stuff from the offensive line, you know, it's crazy, but you kind of expect it. You know, they can't go every game where they're just getting called for everything. And this week they did let them play. They let them play up front on both sides of the ball this week. There's a little bit going on. I don't know if you caught it at the end of the game, but Jawan was. Get a little quick there towards the end of the game. I, uh, but Donovan was also, so they're definitely some – they sync that up a little bit and better now to where they can't get it called, so they can't really target one of them. But, you I mean, you got to give it to the DBs, though. That was that was just something else. Yeah, no, you, ha- you have to um, because even the safeties, you already mentioned Mike Edwards, Justin Reed, um, you know. Spag shouted out Mike Edwards. He's, he is playing more. Um Typically, you see the Chiefs' two starting safeties both play the same amount of snaps because, right, they're obviously both going to be on the field every snap for the most part. You're seeing Justin Reed still have that high snap count, but Brian Cook's drop, and it's because I think in the in pass-down nickel formations, they are having Mike Edwards in over Brian Cook, which I think tells you they like Mike Edwards to be you know more in those pass situations over a Brian Cook. And you're seeing why, man. He gets over the top of receivers all the time. Like, I... I mean, I don't know if, if it's just receiver or quarterbacks not, you know, respecting his his range. But I mean, the last couple of weeks we've seen him get over the top of vertical routes and 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 uh, well, I get you know I will say the Jets game it was I highlighted it on uh, in our AP film, but it was it was Snead kind of jamming Garrett Wilson so hard that there was no route on that side to read, so he kind of you know had a free free range uh, there. But you know, I will say to Thomas's question, he asked about the O line playing a full game clean penalty free. It was nice to see the penalty free part, but they did give up a couple sacks. Uh, you know, one of them I, I, I did see on, on the film. I didn't get through the whole offensive film today, but uh, you know, it was a play action shot. Hunter loops around from, from the outside and, and it just catches, you know, Creed off guard. He just isn't able to pick it up in time. And, and honestly, there was an open receiver downfield, but Hunter's just so big. He, he just takes up Mahomes' throwing when, uh, like throwing vision, and, and Mahomes just can't see it and kind of just succumbs to it. So, you know, it, it wasn't a bad game from the offensive line at all. I, I love what we saw on the ground from them. But, you know, in pass protection, you know, it, it could have been cleaner, could have been better. Um, but, I, you know, again, the Chiefs got around it. The Chiefs did what they needed to do to get it done. Um, and, and the Vikings, you know, they have, they have some players, you know, Davenport's in there too. Marcus Davenport, uh, you know, they have some guys that can get after the quarterback 
off the edge. So I don't know. Any other offensive line notes? Now we're just talking O line real quick before we move on. Uh, I'm honestly, I thought a lot of the uh, the sacks they did give up, I thought was probably you know Mahomes was holding the ball for a little bit on some of those. You mentioned yeah. some of the issues. That's right. one of those areas where like the receivers, I think, are spilling out. But you know they're still they're still working in there. I mean that's everyone's game plan every single week is to you know you have to get home with pass rushers to have any chance to stop the Chiefs. The Vikings did it just enough to keep it close. Yes, they did. All right, Kevin Kaling at Kansas Comet on Twitter. He asked a pretty interesting question here, talking about Legarius Sneed and Chris Jones. If Chris Jones requires roughly $30 million next year and Snead is around $17 million, I believe he's referring to the franchise tag uh, You know, with these numbers, which do you choose? And so he's basically asking you if, if you had to use a franchise tag or one or the other, and let's just, pl- let's just live in a hypothetical world where they're fine playing on the tag so you're not really worried about you know, uh, them holding out like we saw from Chris Jones this year. Which one would you choose? Caleb, would you rather have that that elite pass rusher kind of later in his career, Chris Jones, or or would you rather have Snead, who might be ascending as an outside cornerback, a true shutdown cornerback right now? I would still keep it with Chris Jones, and I know it's a ton of money for just one year, but, I mean, you don't really have to lock in anything long-term with a tag like that. He's getting an astronomical amount of money for one season, and – as good as everyone in the secondary and linebackers looks, that defense still revolves around what happens to 95 playing and play out up front. Like it's not always the most flashy fun thing to talk about. The dude's had a sack every game this season. He is on a tear. That is crazy. Like, he's that's something that's it's been it's so expected. And honestly, the Chiefs probably aren't hyping it up enough for a reason because his price tag is skyrocketing drastically by the minute because they didn't pay him the first time. He's a little angry right now. But when you're looking at this, if he did, if he keeps up this pace like this, this could be the greatest season defensive tackle has ever had. Possibly he could outshine Aaron Donald because there's some battle lines coming up. Like there's a chance that these one sack games could turn into two sack games. And, you know, he's his name's going to be up there with the sack leaders for the entire league by the time this thing's over. They played Denver twice in the next three games, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, let's just say that quarterback in Denver, you know, he's 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 pretty susceptible to the sack, and uh, their offensive line isn't isn't crazy crazy over there. Um, no, I, I think it's I think it's an interesting interesting point on Chris, man. Uh, a sack in every game, you know, there's there's elite pass rushers that go, you know, two, three, four games without a sack, and you just kind of it's just part of the game, right? Because it is hard to get a sack and Chris Jones just you you can bank on him getting a sack every game and and he actually does have the NFL record for back in 2018 I think it was 11 straight games he had a sack and 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 so he, he he's known for going on these these streaks and this is what he does so shout out Chris keep it up Legereus though I do think he is playing at a at, at a level that I think after the season he is going to get top cornerback money on the free agent market I didn't think he would maybe before this season I thought it might have been a mistake on his part to kind of, uh, you know, maybe play more outside corner. And it's not his choice necessarily, but to play more outside corner than slot because I think he's more of a playmaker in the slot. But he's proving that his combination of athleticism and size and length is is what you want at your outside cornerback. And it's exactly what is is, is 
But I, I do think the point, though, you make with Chris Jones, it, everything revolves around Chris Jones. I think to, you know, to even peel that, you know, back a little more, I think your secondary, as long as you have Steve Spagnuolo as your defensive coordinator, you're going to have talented secondary players because he's going to develop them and he's going to play them to their best ability. And don't be surprised if in, you know, three, four years, Jamari Connors, you know, a guy that we're talking about, you know, do they need to sign to a big deal or not by the time of his end, end of his rookie deal? He just churns these guys out. And so I, I, I think you, you, you sign the pass rushers and you develop defensive backs as much as possible. Um, and, and Snead is just a, you know, Snead is a very talented dude, but I think he's reaching his ceiling because Spags is a great coach and, and shout out Dave Merritt too, you know, great coach as well. Um, but yeah, I think, I think Spags is a DB whisperer. He doesn't get credit enough for that. I don't think, I think, you know, he gets, you know, Caleb, like it's funny, like Spags gets known for like the, you know, the NASCAR pass rush package from the Super Bowl, the Giants pack Patriots Super Bowl, but like his bread and butter is the d- defensive backfield. That's really where he, you know, he grew up and, and, you know, I mean, we're seeing it in Kansas city. I mean, he's really developing a bunch of DBs and he's done it over and over and over. Yeah, his ability to kind of go from teaching uh, man coverage, zone coverage, and kind of intertwine it all into one is kind of where the magic of all that comes from. You're right in the respect that obviously Sean Payton, obviously he's not one of the kind of head coaches that really wants to have a losing record on his, on his, you know, on his record. But things can change pretty quickly in the NFL, can't they? He's probably gone into this thinking, yeah, I can absolutely make the Broncos great again. I can absolutely change this team around because they've got like the, you know, they've got the Jerry Judys, they've got the Cortland Suttons, they've got the, you know, a shiny quarterback in Russell Wilson. But after a few weeks, I bet he's thought, this team is is. I need to clear the decks. I need to get rid of the dross. I need to get myself my own quarterback, a young quarterback, and I'm going to get him from the draft. And I think what I'm going to start doing now is clearing everything out I mean, there's apparently there's been rumblings in the in the locker room already. This is just rumors, obviously, but apparently there's rumblings in the locker room saying that you know they don't know what position group's going to be next on the chopping block with Sean Payton. So I think he's just taking this approach of basically just pulling the plug on everything and just going right. That's it. We need to hit a reset. It's perfect year to do it because the apparently the quarterback class is is pretty fire this year, isn't it as well? Yeah. So okay. I think. This is probably Sean Payton going, do you know what? This would be great if I could just clear the decks now, turn it around and make them build this legacy team. It's all about legacies with these people, isn't it? Building a legacy, building this, you know, starting getting a team from from right down in the doldrums, right into like the, the, you know, the next superpower kind of thing. So I think he's really taken that difficult decision to go, let's just clear the decks. I've had enough of this. Yeah, but on the other side of that, what makes a great coach, in my opinion, Make, what makes a great coach is the ability to get the best out of what you have. Yeah. Not necessarily. I think he thought he could get that out of Russell Getting Wilson. the best players and making them, keeping them great. Yeah. Like, that's not necessarily a great, like, it's the whole Pep Guardiola, uh, Pep Guardiola uh, argument, isn't it? Yeah. Everyone doubts Pep Guardiola as a, as a manager, as a football coach, because he's always had the best players. around him and so he's had Messi he's had Bayern Munich he's had Man City in their millions so he's always had the best players in the world accessible to him 
and like he makes those like those those players are great and he does make them better i do get i do understand that i i'm not so blinkered to him to his success to think that's not true but if i had to weigh him up versus alex ferguson for example the legendary manchester united coach i will always say that alex ferguson was a better coach than pep guardiola because alex ferguson made average looking players look bloody incredible he had darren fletcher running a man united midfield and winning league titles he, he <laughs> like you have to look at some of the really bad players that man united have had and if they were elsewhere would have come to absolutely nothing but it was him that got the best out of play- average players and you only have to look at like the andy reed versus sean payton thing sean payton has jerry judy Cortland sutland all these great receivers he has a quarterback supposedly meant to be very good yeah and he can't get the best out of them but you look at Andy Reid he loses Tyree Kill and he goes and wins a Super Bowl with Juju <laughs> Smith-Schuster yes and McCall Hardman and Justin Watson and Marquez Valdez-Scantling like the receiver group of last year in Kansas City are nowhere near as talented as the receiver group in Denver yeah but one coach has managed to get the best out of his players and taking a game up a level while the other coach is completely just destroying his opportunity of having a good season. So I don't like it's it's easy opt out for Sean Payton to sit and say, oh, we're going to get rid of all these players and we're going to I'm going to try and build this, this new team around this new shiny new quarterback and I'm going to all get these new young players that will go high in the draft and they're going to be great. Mm. But for me, a sign of a great coach is getting the best out of what you currently have. Yeah. And I although I think they're talent poor, I do feel like they're underperformed. Like the Denver Broncos through five games, had the worst defense over DVOA ever recorded. Ever recorded. They've allowed for something stupid like 720 rush yards in the last three or four games or something like that. Now, yeah. I know that like 400 of them or whatever come against the, the Dolphins, like a ridiculous amount come against the Dolphins. But even still, how many other teams are conceding 70 points and 300 yards on the ground or 400 yards on the ground to a team? No one. Yeah. We've not seen it happen. It doesn't happen. This team are historically bad. But they weren't that bad last year. These players weren't that bad last year. So mm. why are they that bad now? And it has to be coaching. It has to be coaching. It has to be. It has it's to got be. to be because the coaching has to be off. Otherwise, this team wouldn't be as bad as they are. Now, I'm very, very aware that the Chiefs-Broncos games can get really weird. We've seen it in the past. We're oh, like, God, we've yeah. seen like Vance Joseph has some success against Mahomes. Like, Mahomes typically outside of a couple of games, a struggle against the Broncos. And so it wouldn't surprise me if it gets to Thursday night and the Broncos all of a sudden found form on Thursday night and they managed to stop the run and they managed to have, have some success against the Chiefs receivers. But at the same time, it also would not surprise me if the Chiefs just run down the throats of the Denver Broncos as well, because that's how bad talent poor and badly coached this team is right now. They are historically bad defensively. Yeah. Uh, 32nd overall in rushing defense. Checo's I mean, going to eat, isn't he? He's going to feed. He's got to feed like, off that defense with his running style as well. As, as aggressive as he is, like I find it funny with Pacheco because someone pointed out a couple of weeks ago, and I just thought it's perfect. He does not waste a step. There is not a single <laughs> wasted movement with Isaiah Pacheco. He pounds through the uh, through each step, doesn't he? Make yeah, sure that everything like happens. Every single step that he has has a purpose to it. Yeah. He's not just moving for the sake of moving. He's not like grind, dr- driving his feet for the sake of driving his feet. 
He is running with purpose. And if you're a bad rush defense, a running back like Isaiah Pacheco must scare the living daylights out of you. Yeah. Do you know what? I think Isaiah Pacheco, every time I watch him, right, I, I he has this this thing that he does. Every time he every time he rushes, he eventually gets stopped by the defense and he gets up and he moves a good three, four yards further up yeah. the field. He leaves the ball behind, but he moves three, four yards further up. And it's almost like this mindset of him going, I've got to keep going. I've got yeah, to keep yeah. going. Got to keep going. And I see it all the time on him. He's never, he never gets up and just like, all right, I'm just going to pass the ball over to the referee and just walk back to where I, you know, line up again. He does this three or four step thing where he carries on yeah. forward. It's so strange, but it works for him clearly because I think he's just thinking, right, next time I'm going to get that next three or four steps further just to get that extra mm-hmm. yard or two that's going to really kind of put us into the first down. And yeah. he's amazing to watch. I love watching him. Yes, yeah, so, uh, he's he's incredibly fun to watch. And he has a big is. opportunity on Thursday because he obviously had his big, what I would call his breakout game last Sunday against the Jets. And that was prime time. If he does it again in prime time, like I, I get yeah. it, it's against the Broncos' bad defense. But we talk about a chain for the uh, Dolphins. His breakout game was against the, the Broncos as well. No one really knew who he was before that game. Yeah. And so if he can have like a, a big 100, 125, 150 yards on the ground, on Thursday night, then I think there's going to, a lot of people are going to stand up and take notice of Pacheco, of his running style and start to think, actually have the Chiefs actually finally found their running back that they've been craving since Kareem Hunt obviously departed in 2018. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's not only the rushing yards either. It's uh, it's the passing defense. that's also having issues. 29th overall passing defense for the, for the Broncos, which I mean, if you're going to be right down the bottom of 29th and 32nd in both of those areas, yeah, you've got nothing going for you, have you? You've got not, you've got no chance. Even if you've got like probably the world's best offense, you're still going to struggle in games with that kind of defense. Yeah, even though Chiefs in when 2018 their defense wasn't that bad, and yeah. um, but the Chiefs defense was bad, and they needed like an all-time offense to overcome it. So yeah. I'm surprised they've won a game, to be honest. <laughs> I'm, I'm really surprised they've won a game that defense. I'd be interested to know the stats. And obviously you can't do this because they played that game. Yeah. But I'd, I'd be interested to know how much that one game against the Dolphins influences all of the stats. Um, because well, I think there you is take that, that game yeah. out. You, and it was an extremely bad day at the office. But at the end of the day, they did play that game. Points um, allowed. <laughs> yeah, but if you, t- if you took that one game out, I wonder how bad they actually are compared to the rest of the teams if you took that one fixture out. Well, I mean, looking at the previous games, I mean, they, they've they been around about one score away, apart from obviously the last game against the Jets. I mean, they beat the Bears, didn't they? And that was only by a few points, three three points, something like that. Yeah. Um, and the Commanders, they lost to the Commanders by two points. Um, they lost to the Raiders by a point. Yeah. So, and and the only real blowout was obviously that <laughs> that really kind of speedy offense from the from the Dolphins in that seventy twenty game. So, you're right. I mean, maybe that the, for the points allowed rankings, yeah. it's probably skewed it quite a bit, and it's it, it hasn't done them any favors for sure. But but I just want to look at the other side of the ball because the offense. Now, you would think that obviously uh, a Russell, Russell Wilson led offense as he played last year i mean he was he's terrible last year you'd think that this offense would all be failing because of russell wilson but when you look at the stats and you look at the the overall rankings of russell wilson this year i mean 
QBR rating so far after week five, fourth best overall. Fourth best. And it gets even better for that as well. I mean, he's joined second in TDs this season with 11. Mahomes has joined third. So Russell Wilson's, he's up there. He's trying to make things happen. Yeah. But something is letting him down. And and it probably goes back to what you said before about the coaching. The coaching might just be not be scheming him up properly enough. Or it might be just the fact that the, the defense is really, really letting him down. I just, I can't put my finger on why he's doing so well so far. I mean, he's only thrown two, two interceptions so far this season as well. Is it so, is it not the the situations that the defense is putting the offense? It in probably in the first is. Place? Like mm. we all know that traditionally, if teams are down big, they tend to come out passing, and that's where you can get garbage time stats. Like you know what I mean? You get quarterbacks that can whose overall play can look better because of the situation they've actually been in. But I'd love to know what he's doing early on in the games. Maybe we should have looked at that beforehand. But fourth QBR. Fourth and touchdown, second in touchdowns. It means he is playing better than he did last year. I do remember the game last year. In fact, they were awful, and then yeah. it all come to life against the Chiefs. Like I think the Chiefs were out massively early mm. on in that game, and then how many times have we heard that? That's the problem. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and then the Broncos amounted a comeback, and they ended up only losing that game 34-28, if I remember rightly. That was the famous game where Jarrett McKinnon, Patrick Mahomes, has done that little oh, double yes. pass down the yeah. sideline. So yeah. Um, I think this is a weird matchup. I do. I, I I think that anything can happen. It's a divisional game. Russell Wilson could play well. The Denver defense could turn it around, could have an up, uh, an upturn. And obviously, you've got obviously the problem with the Chiefs who tend to do stupid stuff every now and then and just put ourselves in situations where we shouldn't really be. And we saw it against the Jets. We saw it a little bit against the Vikings. We've seen it against the Jags as well. Like mm. Maybe that will happen where the Chiefs just kind of go, oh, get a bit bored, a bit complacent. And that allows the Broncos in. So I don't expect this to be the blowout that a lot of people are predicting. I'm not lying. I think we'll talk predictions in a second. <laughs> yeah, we will. I mean, just before we get on to predictions as well, I mean, they, they have got this new running back, which uh, I wanted to kind of discuss as well, because uh, Jaleel McLaughlin, um, the running back for the Broncos, his, uh, he seems to have been really kind of shoehorned himself as one of the main starters in this team because he's he's doing really well on uh, fantasy points for me now, which is good. I mean, nobody wants to hear about my fantasy <laughs> teams, but no one cares. But uh, McLaughlin, he's they don't they don't. Do, it's not just a running back where it's just rushing and he's, he's scoring rushing touchdowns. It's it's the fact that they're using him in the receiving game as well, and he's he's being quite productive. I mean, he's undrafted. Um, and he seems to have found uh, a bit of a niche in this in this Broncos offense, mm. which that's obviously going to help out Russell Wilson. It's going to help out this offense a lot more, especially if they've got another receiving threat there. I mean, he's got two touchdowns, two receiving touchdowns in the last two weeks, which, um, I mean, it's great for which him. Of course, you know, because he's in your fantasy team. Because he's in my fantasy team, and every time <laughs> yeah. I, he scores one, I, I mean, my fantasy team is <laughs> this year. It really is. But, um, I, yeah, it's... Uh, it, it, it's good seeing uh, an undrafted player like that. They seem to do really well with undrafted free agent running backs, don't they? Yeah, they do, don't they? Is it Philip Lindsay Philip last Lindsay time? as well. Yeah, yeah another one. Uh, so... It's funny you mentioned him actually because, um, not Philip Lindsay, um, because I've just completed five questions with Mile High Report and they brought, oh. up, they brought him up as a bright spot of the season. Um, they tore into their own team, but yeah, he was a bright spot of the season so far. So yeah, maybe one to watch, but 
this Chiefs defense has been pretty good this year. So it has been pretty darn good, especially against the run. Um, so uh, actually, we haven't really called out the defense at all with how well they played against in the in the last game. They were phenomenal in the last game. I thought against the Vikings, especially yeah, locking down Jeff- Jefferson. Jesus. Right. Justin Jefferson's injury had nothing to do with his lack of a production. Like no. that was too late in the game. They were phenomenal. Yeah. Legere Sneed was outstanding on Sunday night. And uh, we haven't paid him yet. And they're, they, they're, they cause themselves a, a few issues here. Like we're getting into the realms where they're going to get priced out of Legere Sneed because yeah. he is having a phenomenal season so far. And if he keeps this up, he is going to get a lot of money come the offseason. Maybe he's a potential uh, tag and trade type of guy for, for the Chiefs if they're not going to go that route with Chris Jones. Um, maybe that's yeah. where they have to go with Legeris need, but that man is playing so well. And for them to do the number on Justin Jefferson that they did yeah. completely surprised me. I I, I, was, I was thinking about how can the Chiefs win that game whilst also allowing for Justin Jefferson to have 150 and a touchdown. That's yeah. why how that's why I thought the game was going to go like, but the Chiefs managed to just nullify him completely, and they were they were brilliant. They really were. That that secondary is turning into one of the best, if not the best, group in the NFL right now. Yeah, uh, just a quick mention on the again on the um, Broncos defense, uh, where the sacks are coming from are pretty much from the outside linebackers, uh, Benito and Cooper. So um, something to look out for for the O line. There's a top tip for the O line from Brad Simcox. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Let's hop right into the preview then. Stop it. Stop it. You can't do this. You can't escape. You can't make these plays. You can't make these throws. Give us a sneak preview. Chiefs preview. Hold on, we just got we just got some breaking news. A couple minutes ago, Ian Rappaport just tweeted, Broncos running back Javante Williams is off the report and will play. But meanwhile, pass rusher Frank Clark is out with an illness. So we'll have to wait. Heard, heard, heard that story weeks. before. <laughs> we'll have to wait a few more weeks for the Frank Clark versus the Chiefs storyline to come full force chiefs and broncos facing off on thursday night football you can watch that on amazon or in kansas city locally on kshp 41 your home of the chiefs kickoff at 7 15 the four and one chiefs facing off against the one and four 
Broncos. I think one of the biggest storylines coming into this, and we kind of teased this in the offseason. If, if you're day one Coast to Coast fans, we kind of gave our bold predictions coming into the season, and we were previewing some of the divisional matchups and how we saw the Chiefs matching up against the AFC West. And my bold prediction coming into the season was that the Chiefs streak against the Broncos, which currently sits at 15 consecutive wins, would get snapped. Are you taking that back now? <laughs> I don't see it happening this Thursday. <laughs> it ain't happening. Okay, you're going to take it one game at a time. <laughs> the Broncos, man, it is. It's almost comically bad a little bit. Like, golly. Yeah. Like, I mean, how possibly have gotten maybe even worse right did, i mean did, considering expectations because you got sean payton now yeah. you're you know okay we got a real guy there at head coach grown sure. man he's been super bowl champion you know second year russell wilson in denver maybe he settles in a little bit he's actually hasn't played that bad russell wilson actually playing pretty solid but let me look up these numbers yeah he, he's actually not playing bad bro but their defense has regressed dramatically i don't know where this even came from this went from being a top five defense to a bottom five unit and russell wilson's season. numbers 67 percent completion percentage 1200 yards 11 touchdowns two interceptions yeah, to five playing, it's not, not bad numbers yeah yeah but their defense i don't know what happened i mean giving up 70 points to miami gave up 30 multiple games I, I don't know what it is. Now they're talking about uh, Sutton is on the trade block. Jerry Judy's open to being on the trade block. I even heard some rumors of Patrick Sertan the second could be available for the right price. I mean, Sheesh. it seems like every week the Chiefs play a team that is in disarray heading into the week. I mean, remember the the heading for the Jets game? No, we start off with the Bears. Week, yeah. with the Bears. That was a hell week for the Bears. Then the Jets, you have the whole... Zach Wilson is he should be the starter. What's going on there? Should they bring a veteran in? Then you got the Vikings talks about cousins. Well, they, should they trade them? Should they start tanking? And then now you got the Broncos with all these guys who are apparently on the, the chopping block. I mean, my gosh, the, the schedule couldn't have been much sweeter for the Chiefs to start the earliest part of their schedule, <laughs> to say the least. Let's look at the injury report. Remember, this is a different week. Thursday night football. The they don't really. I mean, there's really one real practice, and it's on Tuesday. Uh, but for the Kansas City Chiefs, Travis Kelsey, George Karloftis, and Tommy Townsend listed as questionable. Townsend pops up with a left knee injury. Was limited in practice on Wednesday after being like not even on the report Monday, Tuesday. Could be something to monitor. The good news for Kansas City is that Nick Bolton registers a full practice on Wednesday, first full practice over the last three weeks for Kansas City's middle linebacker. He's on track to return after being a game time decision last week for the defense. Sounds like Travis Kelsey's going to play. I doubt he is going to be standing on the sideline for this one. For for Denver, we already kind of touched on it, but we just go back over it. Frank yeah. Clark is out. He has an illness, did not practice on Tuesday or Wednesday. Baron Browning and DJ Jones are also out for the Denver Broncos. What's the line on this one? Ten and a half. You think Casey covers? Well, uh, is, is that one of your picks? I don't want to. It's not. It's not. It's not. All right. What you but, think? But I, I do lean that way, but I'm not making that official play. Um. 
I mean, this Broncos team, man, it's a short week for both teams, but they're yeah. traveling to Kansas City. I mean, I will say this, though. That this is like Sean Payton's Super Bowl, right? This is like, okay. Why you say that? Because I feel because, like last week should have been a Super Bowl, considering all that smack talk that was talking well, between him and Nathaniel Hackett. And him calling, like, last week, because Nathaniel Hackett was, he was happy as hell when that came <laughs> To his defense, though, I mean, they were in position to win that game, but Russell Wilson fumbled the ball away on the last drive of the game. Why do you say this is a Super Bowl going up against the Chiefs? I mean, because if you watched him over the last couple of years with him on Fox, he's raved about how much he loves Mahomes. Like, he loves Patrick Mahomes. Like, so in the fact that now he's the coach in that same division, I think is pretty ironic. But, you know, I just think the fact that you're one and four right now, this team is not in a position they shouldn't be to tank. But if you lose this game, go one and five, your upcoming schedule is pretty tough. The only thing is, though, you're stuck with that Russell Wilson contract for a little bit. And I mean, if you get like the top pick, you get a Caleb Williams, right? You can't sit him behind Russell Wilson. So you're going to have to eat that dead money. It's a sticky situation there, man. So I think. This will decide what they do the rest of the season. If they come out here and somehow shock the world, you're two and yeah. four, you can kind of trick yourself into thinking, okay, maybe we can compete for a, a wild card spot. If you lose the game, go to one and five, then you may consider um, maybe bombing the season and tanking. That's why I say it's their Super Bowl because I, I think it's an altering game for the decision making in the front office for the season moving forward. Let's hear from Patrick Mahomes about Travis Kelsey and his ankle ahead of this primetime matchup on Thursday. It's it's tough, man. That's a, that's a legendary type game. I mean, to be able to battle through that. I mean, obviously, I didn't see the injury live, so I didn't know how bad it was. Um, but I'm um, looking back on it now and seeing how the ankle rolled and then being able to, to come back out there and play at a high level and score a touchdown that we needed to win the game. Um, it speaks to not only the, the talent that he has, but the toughness that he has and that the reason that he's been out there week in and week out because he, he'll battle through anything to go out there and play. It hasn't cleared before. It is now how much he really wants to be out there. Do mm-hmm. you have any other stories about how much that means to him to be out there? Yeah, no, I mean, it, I mean, even like this last, this last when he had the injury in the practice, I mean, he was trying to play that game. And I remember after the, the, we lost that first game of the season, just texting him and just asking him how he feels. And he didn't even tell me how he feels. He just said, there's no doubt I'm playing next week. So... That was the end of it, and so he was playing. So that just speaks to the toughness and the mindset that he has. I think he plays. Yeah, I, I don't have any doubt that he's going to play. And I already saw, too, they were promoting the interview he's going to have Thursday night before the game, I think, with Taylor Rooks. Don't quote me. That sounds right. I believe so. So I just think seeing all of that, I, I'll be shocked if he doesn't play uh, Thursday night. All right, we do this every week when the Chiefs have the ball. I'm gonna tell you this right now, and I'm uh, I, 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 you know, I've got three kids. I try to uh, believe I'm a patient man. I've worked with at-risk youth. I said spit on by eight-year-olds. I've uh, <laughs> I've been spit on by sixteen-year-olds. Um, I've had chairs thrown at me. I've had telephones, the old ones, oh my God, <laughs> yanked at me. Um, I've been told uh, that I've been wished to die uh, by young kids and people on the text line All right, um, in, bo- in multiple states. Um, 
Kelsey did have a 24-yard reception against the Bears. I don't remember it. Um, but, uh, I, yeah, I, I would call myself a patient person. Um, I'm patient right there. There was no reason for Asota to go through <laughs> and hunt that down. Um, I was just curious. But he did. And he could have kept it to himself. So many things. But I'm a patient person. <laughs> I appreciate your hard work. Sir. I'm at a crossroads of patience with Scott Moore. Like, I, I need to see something this week. Like, I, I'm going to give the kid. I know there are, there are some people who have completely lost their patience and they're out. Uh, Sky Moore, I, you know, there, there have been people on this show who have been huge, huge supporters. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you may have a stash on for Kelsey, but your, your words and your belief go stronger in the support of Sky Moore from some people on this show. When? I am still, I'm still here, but I'm at a crossroads. This is it. I need to see something. All right. Um, you've you've virtually had three of the five games this season where you haven't done anything, and the only thing you did in this game was a quick, what screen that didn't have a shot in hell and doing anything, and then a hey at the end of the half they're backing off. Let me throw it to Sky for a few yards because nobody is around him. You haven't done anything. And there are guys behind you who are starting to show things. And you you got to, like, I'm, I'm about, this is it. This is a terrible defense, all right? They're probably not going to put Patrick Sertain on you, or at least the Chiefs can do things to avoid it. You got to be able to do something. This should look something like the Jacksonville game when you trick people, when you trick the hearts of others. When others who believed in you so much acted like they went ahead and forgot the rest of everything you did in your career, but you got 70 yards against the Jags and they believed again to come back for you to do nothing since then. I'm at a crossroads and I and I I'm to a point where if he comes out and gives us what he has done for the bulk of his career and there is nothing more, I'm just I am to 40 yards. Give me three catches. <laughs> Give me something. I'll let, I'll let, I'll let BK go. I'm cause... out. I'm out. I'm out. This is it because he's got to he's got to hit the bench. There's got to be other people in, in in for him. He's playing too much. I don't know that he's even earned this week. Oh, so you're not. Oh, your crossroads is over. You've crossed it. I mean, how much more do we really need to see from the guy? He's been I, one I, of the least productive wide receivers in the NFL so far this season. I mean, if you're looking at a yards per route run, he's worse this year than Trenton Irwin and Calvin Austin the third. Like he he's done nothing, man. He doesn't earn targets when he's on the field. And when he does earn targets while he's on the field, he doesn't do much with them. I so badly wanted this to be the year that it worked for Sky Moore. Everything in my heart wanted this did. to be the year for him. But I, I can't explain why it's gone this poorly, but, man, it's been bad. Like, he looks like the worst wide receiver on the roster. Every other receiver that's how, that's how more thus far than Sky Moore has. I've seen flashes from Rasheed Rice almost every week. Justin Watson makes one big play every single week. MVS, just when you think you're, like, totally done with him, he goes out there and makes a big play for you. Or he draws a pass interference deep. He's Kandarius, at the very least con consistent. Kadarius you know Tony, I know exactly what he is, man. He's McCall Hardman plus. 
He's a guy that's going to make plays behind the line of scrimmage. He's going to drive you nuts with his inconsistency. But when he gets the ball in his hands, he's going to have an opportunity to do stuff with him. Justin Ross almost never gets on the field. Dude, when he gets on there, he he earns targets. Last week, drops. Serta had one. I mentioned this before the show today. Man, his, his quick glance route that he got last week, one of the better plays that we've seen from a Chiefs wide. Like, it's just all of these dudes are showing me something. And Sky Moore has shown me nothing. I want it to work. I want to give it one more week. But man, if we see it against Denver, it proves nothing to me. I've seen it against some other teams that have been on the schedule, and he just cannot do it consistently. It's this year. It's last year. It's everything. I think I'm done. I think I need to see more of Rasheed Rice. I think I need to see more of Justin Ross, Justin Watson, get more opportunities. I I think I'm out, man. But, Serta, if he can't do it against this Broncos team, it is now a stamp go. Go. I'm I'm with BK. I laid into him on the Arrowhead Pride Rapid Reaction Show after the game against the Vikings. I've seen enough, and I don't think it, I totally agree that it doesn't prove anything doing it against the Broncos. And even the one good game he had this season against the Jags team, like that long catch that he had was a broken play, <laughs> like where Mahomes just found him and the touchdown he had- was good. And he had blockers in front of him and there was no Jags around him. And he just had a, he had a a free 40 yard run basically. Like it it wasn't something that he created for himself. And that's the biggest problem is that it's, it's only five games into this season. And I understand he didn't get a lot on the field much last year. And so we didn't even really get an opportunity to see what he could do in this offense. And that's why I think part of it, was we were so optimistic about his role growing this season, but man, you're competing for rings. Like you can't be trotting this guy out there 50 to 70% of the snaps every week where him and MBS are the guys that are leading your team each and every week in routes run. And you're rotating all these different wide receivers because you want somebody to step up. But the guy that you're putting out there as much as any other wide receiver on the team is giving you absolutely nothing week after week after week and uh you know he could still maybe find an impact somewhere in in some kind of role but Rasheed Rice has already shown that he's a better NFL player right now like he has already shown way more potential than we have seen from Sky Moore in over a calendar year like Justin Ross yeah I still want to see more from that but that one catch that BK mentioned like that one catch was like, oh, well, Sky can't do that. So I would like to see Justin Ross get the opportunity to go make plays like that while they work on the rest of his development because they've been developing Sky for over a year now and gotten absolutely nothing out of him. He's not contributing in any way. I think MVS should get less snaps as well, but MVS is the veteran presence and you know he does other things that he that are going to get him on the field. Sky is not making an impact in any way. And you got to see what some of these other guys can do for you because I'm, I'm over, I'm over, I'm over having any expectation for him on a given week. I don't think he's got it. I, he looks like just a horrible bust of a draft pick right now. I mean, you've quit. This is sickening. I mean, you have just really in, in what's an incredible draft class. He looks like the worst pick of the class. I mean, you have just let it go. I mean, God, good Lord. Okay. You've cut this promo before. Uh, by the way, there's no reason for you to continue week after week to take MVS down by the knees when you're talking about other people. Somehow you dread somehow him, him, him and sky okay. really 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 close to well, bottom of the barrel wide receivers in the NFL. Well right? pick well pick well pick a week 
where you just let him off and just continue to talk about Sky or whoever it is, because you just find a way to get to MVS. I don't know why you just you just want to take that young man out, and he is giving you everything. He By has. the way, this is MVS week. Like you know, MVS is going to have like three I'm catches giving, for 120 yards. I'm week. just giving Sky one. I'm just this is it because what I'm saying is no. You're talking about contributor. No, go. Like he's got he's got to. It's it's over. If he can't, I would, I would go I'm the opposite though, Ron. I would go the opposite. I would say this is the week where you give Rasheed Rice that opportunity. I would say this is the week where, hey, Rasheed, we know you've got some some drop issues. Early on in the game, we expect you're probably going to drop one of your first two targets. That, that's all right. We'll, we'll keep coming at you this time. You're going to flip spots with Sky Moore. Sky's been getting 60% of the opportunities at wide receiver over the last few weeks. That's kind of been his role. You've been getting like 25 to 30%. This week, it's going to be Rasheed Rice getting 60%. And Sky, you're going to get about 25% of them. Make the most of those. See see what you can do with it. Yeah, I, and sure. I bet you, I would be surprised, honestly, if this wasn't the case. I bet you Rasheed Rice has a better game this week in that scenario than we've seen at any point from Sky Moore thus far. That's because what's... Rasheed has done more with his snaps on a per-snap basis, and it is not close than anything that we've seen from Sky. No, I'm saying all, none of these jokers really have just said, hey, I should be on the field the majority of the time. Let's split all well, this I think she has. That's oh, that's where I'll disagree. And, I actually and, think Rasheed Rice has been good. Like just flat out, like no, no, no disclaimers needed. He has been a good wide receiver as a rookie. And and I think this is like for the reason that you're saying, like, give Sky a chance and see if he can do anything against this Broncos team. Like, I think this is the stretch where you need to get Rasheed Rice and Justin Ross involved if you're going to, because you have the Broncos, the Chargers, and the Broncos. Like this is the stretch where you can get those guys deployed and see what they got and get them ready for tougher competition down the line. Because like Miami, like, it's three weeks yeah, from now like you play we, Miami, and, dude, and you got to score know, 40 in that one, bro. And we expect that Chargers game to probably be a tight game because Chiefs and Chargers always is. But the Chargers secondary is not good. Like Derwin James is banged up. Their cornerbacks are not good. Like their defense hasn't been particularly impressive this season and they've been totally beatable. So like another good opportunity next week against the Chargers, then you get the Broncos again. Like this is the stretch where you should give those guys opportunities and see what they can do against inferior competition. Yeah, I, as I said, I got, I don't think he should get the majority. I think let's split them up. Like for me, like you get Rasheed Rice has come on a bit, but Rasheed Rice has had bad moments too, right? Like Justin Ross has come on a bit. He's had bad moments too. Now I'm not saying they've been as bad as Sky. I'm just saying for me, Sky, this is it. Like I, I'm gonna give you like we're gonna have what 50 percent of the snap whatever we're gonna we're gonna roll in here and, and and everybody get around the same amount and Sky if you don't show something if you don't show like you can get away and get yourself open on coverage against the Broncos second or third corner like that, that I mean we're out we're out and we're gonna move on in another space that that that's my thing with him when the Chiefs have the ball the other thing I'll be damned. They better be able to run the football and run the football in a, a, a dominant sense. Okay, I think the Chiefs' run game has improved, and it, it seems like it's really good. They were able to run the ball against a Jets team that is a pretty good defense and a really good run defense. The Denver Broncos have given up 755 yards rushing in the last three games. Three! The last three! 755 755. I'm sorry. Like Isaiah Pacheco, Clyde. 
uh, uh, some of the, that win kid on the on the practice squad that didn't make the team right out. Um, uh, who was uh, who was it that um, the, uh, the who, who, McKinnon? He should he should get some run. They got a fullback. He should get thirty five in this game. Uh, Pat should get fifty. Uh, I, I mean, uh, the Broncos are giving up over thirty more rushing yards on the ground per game than the next closest. It's, team. It, it, it's, it's, it's it. They the guys up front. Everybody ought to be able to run. They should they should run. This should be. This should be a game where they Mahomes throws it thirty times because Andy just is hell bent on it. That and, and it shouldn't be the case. Anybody, any of these guys, some of these older guys that played, bring them on. Let them get some carries. Like these guys who played in years past. Like I, I don't care. They they should dominate in the seven hundred fifty five yards. The Jets can't throw. Zach Zach doesn't scare you. I know he had a I know he had a miracle moment. Uh, against the Chiefs for a little bit, but he doesn't scare you. The Jets did, or the the Broncos didn't come in and say, "Well, boy, we got to really line ourselves up for this passing game of the Jets." No, they knew what they wanted to do, and they gave up two hundred plus yards rushing to the Jets. Get out of here, man! Stop, God! They, they stop the. I mean, run the football down their throats. Pacheco should have a big, big game. This- They knew they could do what they wanted to in this game. They were moving the ball really well. They kept stalling out in the red zone. Mahomes has a bad interception where it's a play where he probably should have just eaten a sack, but he tries to force the ball as he's getting hit and ball gets tipped, intercepted. Like they were bad in the red zone tonight. No doubt about it. But offensively, like Andy Reid was busting out the trick plays. Like it, it just felt like tonight the Chiefs were like, yeah, we're just not trying to put anything on tape ahead of this Chargers matchup next week. So this is what you're getting tonight. We'll see if it works. If it doesn't work, we're still pretty confident that we're going to come away with a win, and they did. Yeah, I mean, Pat was forcing the ball early on. I think that he made the decision after his uh, very poorly, like like very ill-decided interception in the red zone when he was trying to get the ball to sky more under pressure that he was like, listen, the defense is going to keep these guys as single digits today. We've already done enough to win this game. So I'm just going to not be the reason why we lose today. I'm not going to take unnecessary risks and I'm not going to turn the ball over anymore. And I'm just going to go for the safe check down every single time. I'm not going to try to push the ball downfield. Um, It is disappointing though, because coming into tonight, you know, the Broncos had played five games and the Commanders have scored 35 points against them. The Dolphins scored 70 points against them. The Bears scored 28 points against them. The Jets scored 31 points against them. The only team that didn't score at least 28 points against the Denver Broncos was the pathetic Las Vegas Raiders. Like, the Chiefs, the Chiefs without that last-second um, field goal by Harrison Bucker, who, by the way, sweet lord, in heaven, he is automatic this year. That guy's got a Thor leg, you know, blessed by the gods. I don't know what he did. He ate his Wheaties. He has good karma coming. He did everything that he was supposed to do because right now his he is just locked in and laser focused. But besides the point, the Chiefs got to play better offense than this. Sure, they can get away with being super vanilla and play this way against the Broncos and walk away with a victory. But and they got the next two games. They're playing the Broncos again, and then they're playing the Chargers. Then after that, they have a matchup with the Miami Dolphins looming in Germany. And if they don't start figuring something out with these wide receivers and trusting them a little bit, 
they're going to get run out of that stadium, man. Like, like, and I don't want to be a doom and gloom guy because a win is a win. And it's hard to win in the NFL, but this is not going to cut it in Germany. Well, and as frustrating as they've been offensively so far early in the season, and as frustrating as the wide receiver rotation has been when Rasheed Rice has a career high tonight, 72 receiving yards on four receptions, continues to look like he is the biggest difference maker in that room, continues to look like we got to absolutely get this guy on the field more and get him more involved and get some of these other guys off the field who are doing absolutely nothing. Uh, another just absolute ghost of a performance from Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Uh, Justin Watson had a chance to make a big play. It was one of the only real deep shots of the game. Couldn't come up with it tonight. Uh, and Sky Moore continues to just not really be an effective player for the Chiefs offense. But Rasheed Rice is one of the bright spots. And Travis Kelsey, despite... It being a short turnaround, uh, being on that bum ankle tonight, he was absolutely dominant, had over 100 yards in the first half alone, uh, ends the game with over 120 receiving yards. And it was automatic between Mahomes and Kelsey in the first half of this football game. Isaiah Pacheco looked really good tonight again, and I would have liked to have seen him get some more carries. I would have liked to have seen him have a, a bigger game because that's especially where the Broncos have been bad is against the run. And I felt like they could have leaned into that a little bit more tonight, but I, I truly, truly believe this was kind of one of those Andy Reed games where they know they got a big matchup against the chargers next week. And I know the chargers defense hasn't exactly uh, been uh, a world beater or anything so far this season. They've been, they've been exploited pretty hard so far this year, but it's still a bigger matchup against a much more competitive team and the only team that you really have to worry about in this division. So I'm willing to bet that next week against the Chargers, we see a lot more. We we see a lot more from Rasheed Rice. We see a lot more from these guys. And, I, and I'm hoping that's what the game plan is because you mentioned it. We're only a few weeks away from that matchup with the Miami Dolphins in Germany. And with the way that team is playing, and I'll get to the defense, the defense is still playing lights out for the Kansas City Chiefs. They are fantastic they are top five defense in the nfl and i wholeheartedly believe that but that miami dolphins offense is another thing altogether right now and i know they just lost their talented rookie devon achan for a little bit and he's not going to be available for that game but they're still the most explosive offense in the nfl it's not really that close so you want to see them get some things figured out and, and i'm willing to bet that they were kind of looking past this game against the denver broncos and preparing for what is going to be a much tighter football game against the Los Angeles Chargers next week. Yeah, and you hit on some really good points there. But like like Pacheco had another really nice game. But even to that point, like Pacheco, you got to stop going east to west so much. He left a lot of yards on the field tonight, I thought. Just just because he tries to stretch it out to the boundary, just runs so lateral for so far and never gets to the corner and it just gets lets himself get stretched out and then washed out of bounds. And it's like, man, if you would just turn it up field and just take the three-yard gain there, you'd probably finish the day with an extra 25 yards you know, on your stat sheet. Um, and so, like, he's got he's to gotta work on that vision a little bit. It might just be something he might not – he just might not have. Like, that just might be who he is, you know, at this point. Andy Reid's third, you know, third down – third and short play calling is still mind-baffling, still trick plays, like, still just refuses. Like, you have the best – like you're the best, like 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 guard and center combo in the league. If you're if you're gonna do the brotherly shove, which was a fourth down play, I know this. Like why do it on a punt fake? Like just line up. Even if you want Noah Gray to take the snap, 
because they know it's going to come regardless. Just line up, get behind your big uglies, and just do it. Like you don't gotta try to like be cute with every single short yardage situation that you have. Like it's it's frustrating to watch because we talk about they had a total vanilla bit game plan, except for on third and short when you should be vanilla. Well, like like just keep it simple. So that that's frustrating. The Canarius Tony. <laughs> Uh, play where he takes a direct snap and he has the option to give up the ball or keep it and he keeps it makes the wrong read and it gets totally blown up in the backfield like those plays are frustrating but I think those are where I, I kind of felt like Andy Reid wasn't really given his a game tonight um, I think those plays where most people are like oh the Chiefs are just screwing around now I think he's being dead serious about those plays because he wants those to be the effective short yardage plays. <laughs> like those aren't a joke. Andy's taking those very seriously and they are simply not working. I wish they would just hand the ball off to Isaiah Pacheco right at the middle on fourth and one on those short yardage plays. It doesn't make any sense and it continues to be frustrating, but there's going to be a key moment in a crucial game upcoming where Andy Reid absolutely does that and proves this point uh, for us. But I still think there was positives to take away from tonight's game. And, and, and really, I, I think my approach to tonight's game was just like the Broncos are so unserious that I can't even be annoyed with some of this stuff from the chiefs offense. Like I was a lot more annoyed last week uh, against the Minnesota Vikings than I am this week by the performance from the chiefs offense, because, you know, Kelsey just looking healthy and like early in the game, he sets up that hook and ladder play, which, I don't think that was a hook and ladder play that was called. It was just Travis Kelsey being Travis Kelsey and deciding to ma- deciding to make a lateral. And obviously he has a big game over a hundred yards. Uh, Kadarius Tony finds the end zone, which, you know, he's still kind of on a snap count, but him being involved in him making plays for you and, and, and him looking like he is healthy and getting closer and closer to healthy to where maybe they can rely on him a little bit more in the future. I think all of those things are positives for the chiefs offense, and then again, Rasheed Rice continues to look like the Chiefs' absolute best playmaker in the wide receiver room, and it's not even close. Just every time he touches the ball, he's got a burst and a tackle-breaking ability that no other wide receiver on the team has, that no other wide receiver on the team has even come close to showing because we know MVS isn't that dude. We know Justin Watson isn't that dude. Like They're just guys who... They can run straight line down the field and you can get some deep shots to them every now and then that's all they do. They can't do anything else. Sky Moore is just a total non-factor out there and you're not getting anything from him. Justin Ross isn't getting snaps and he's not getting on the football field. Rasheed Rice is the only guy that I'm like, that guy looks like a difference maker. They need to feed him the ball more and I want to see him get involved more. And I'm really, really hoping that I'm right. And next week against the Los Angeles Chargers is when they finally commit to him as being like a full-time player. You know, I I was watching for Ross on the Prime Vision tonight, and I would say he was probably out there for about 12 snaps that I noticed, which is double what he was last week. Mahomes just wasn't looking his direction at all. Like I don't think I saw Mahomes look at Ross once tonight. And there was a couple times where he was open, but like I, that's what I'm saying. Like he just doesn't trust his outside wide receivers. He wasn't looking at MVS. He wasn't looking at Sky Moore. He wasn't looking at anybody on the outside. At this point, MVS is a net negative in the offense. I mean, he's not producing, you know, any receiving yards. And then he's he's, he's, he's having crucial penalties, you know, that's back that are backing you up. Um, so they they gotta they gotta reconsider MVS's role in this offense, unfortunately. Um, but yeah. The positives, 
Rashi Rice looks like the real deal. Like this was like almost his coming out party. Now, Travis Kelsey was the man of the hour. Travis Kelsey was the dude that we know he is tonight. Like, yeah. like, like this is what you Taylor expect out of Travis Kelsey. Again, I mean, so he's going to ball out. Tyler Swift is up in the suite talking football with Travis Kelsey's haggard looking dad. And who looks like everybody's <laughs> dad, like just like rough as can be former steel worker from Cleveland, Ohio, just up there, just talking to, Taylor's freaking swift. Uh, that's the, such a perfect way to describe it. It's exactly what I thought. Yeah. <laughs> like, like the most odd couple ever. That was just like, it was, it was a perfect moment. It was like a chef's kiss of a moment though. Right. I, I loved it. Um, But yeah, he's out there balling out for his girl, you know, and I love to see it. I mean, I'm a fan of love. Steven Soto, you know, we've already covered all this on the, on the podcast. I'm a Swifty. I'm a fan of love. I think, you know, the more the merrier in Chiefs kingdom. But Travis Kelsey was that dude tonight. And he was, and he came back from an injury. He showed a lot of heart, a lot of grit, he, everything that we need him to be. But we also need somebody else. And Rashi Rice was that somebody else on offense in the passing game tonight. I would really like to see his role expanded moving forward. Um, and, you know, at the end of the day, the Chiefs dominated on defense a really, really bad football team and travis kelsey was awesome and i think that's the storyline so you mentioned mahomes and him not looking to his boundary wide receivers and not really scanning the field uh in uh in the way that we're used to from him you know he's still spreading the ball around like he's still peppering a lot of guys every week but you know i i do think that there is something right now with him that's going on where Patrick Mahomes also, and the wide receivers are, are catching all the blame. And I think they deserve some of it. And I think Andy Reid and the coaching staff deserve some of it. But Mahomes isn't really getting any of the blame. And Mahomes hasn't been perfect this season. Like Mahomes hasn't been great at times this year. He's struggling right now, too, where, you know, that interception that he threw in the end zone to Justin Simmons was a play that you just can't make that throw. Like there was no reason for him to make that throw. And, you know, maybe you can say, well, if the pass didn't get deflected at the line of scrimmage, maybe there's enough on that that Sky Moore can adjust to the ball and try to come back and make a play. But like you have no faith that Sky Moore is going to make that play. So if you don't have any faith that he's going to make that play, just don't make the throw because throwing that interception costs you an easy Harrison Bucker field goal. And Mahomes has done that several times this year where. It seems like right now with Travis Kelsey being 34 years old and a little bit banged up and him being the go-to guy for everything that's making the whole offense move at all right now outside of Isaiah Pacheco ripping off a few runs here and there. Like it seems like Mahomes is kind of reverting to this. I got to force things. I got to force things. I got to force things. But he's also missing guys at times. Like it's not just always that the guys aren't getting open, which that is a problem. They got a real problem with guys getting open against man coverage right now. That's been an issue. Travis Kelsey will dice up zone all day, every day, but they got guys that struggle to get open in one-on-one matchups. But I think Patrick Mahomes, like you mentioned, just has such a lack of trust in some of these guys right now that it we're, we're still trying to see them develop that and figure it out as they go. But it's worth mentioning that Patrick Mahomes just also isn't playing close to the best football that we've ever seen him play. No, he's not playing the best football we've ever seen him play. He's bailing on protection. Like, yeah, the tackles haven't been perfect. Jawan Taylor got another holding call. Um, you know, Donovan Smith has been mediocre, you know, this year, I would say. 
Um, but he's bailing on protection way too soon. He's not even he's not even given sometimes he's not even given the wide receivers an opportunity for the play to develop or for them to beat the man coverage because he's seeing the heat and he's bailing. And I mean, in the only defense I got of him is you saw at the end of the game, he was screaming, cover zero, cover zero, like they're bringing the blitz. And what happened? Nothing. Like nobody gave him any help. Nobody, nobody got open quick. You know, nobody broke off their route. Nobody picked up the blitz and he got sacked and he got sacked. I mean, so Mahomes isn't playing confidently. We've seen Mahomes when he's not feeling comfortable in his protection. He tends to drift. He tends to bail in the pocket. He tends to tuck it and run a little too soon. Um, there was a play where he, that play where he, he ran for the first down and he had Jarek McKinnon uh, direct him on the block on that play. Justin Ross was open probably 30 yards downfield. You, you know, had like five steps on his guy. And Mahomes, like I said, Mahomes never even looked his direction. And so Mahomes isn't seeing the field well because Mahomes isn't feeling secure back there, I don't think.